Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Joe, we are live. <laughs> What's up, everybody? September 5th edition of the Holy Smokes podcast. I like to call it a hashtag back to school uh, for yours truly and the many parents out there that have kids that have gone back to school today. Uh, lots to talk about in the world of mixed martial arts. Of course, joined, as always, by the legend himself, Sean Ross Sapp. Make sure you give him a follow online at Sean Ross Sapp. Yours truly at Showdown Joe. Lots to discuss today, Sean. We are going to recap UFC Rotterdam. We're going to preview UFC 215. Uh, Nate Diaz is after the money. We will get into that a bit. For those for those that remember Diego Brandao, remember him? Yeah, he was in a bit of a situation uh, over the past uh, couple days, maybe the weekend. Uh, we'll get into that momentarily to see uh, if Sean and I agree or disagree on what happened uh, in the controversial ending to that fight there. Uh, Polly Malinagi, the gift that keeps God. on giving, is back in the news. Sean's favorite boxer, of course, by all times. I mean, let's be honest for a second. Tyron Woodley wants to fight George St. Pierre. Sean, we'll get to that for sure. Um, I guess Sean calls it Jose Aldo and the Hokey Pokey. He's in, he's out, he's in, he's out. We'll get into that. And of course, Elias Theodora will appear. I don't know if we're going to play the whole interview I had with Elias, but let me tell you, he dropped some serious nuggets and some serious opinion, but we'll get to that in a little bit. Sean, how are you, sir? I can confirm we'll be playing the Elias interview from the USADA talk on, and then we'll, we will release the full interview uh, this week on Fightful.com. Hot diggity damn. I'm great. My birthday was last week. My wife's birthday was last week. Our anniversary was Saturday, Sunday, one of those days. I don't know. Our engagement anniversary was last week. People were getting really tired of posting on my Facebook wall by the end of the week. <laughs> well, congratulations to you, the missus. Uh, happy you. belated birthdays, happy belated anniversaries, engagement anniversaries. That's fantastic. One day you'll be in my position where you'll have to take your child and drop them off at school. Nah, and- I, I won't be. 
Why? Because that sounds horrible. No, hey, listen. No, knock on wood. Hopefully, one day you guys will have a little uh, little saps running around. Not happening. No. I'm fightful for, 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 for life. Well, true, true. I'm fighter for life as well, but got to uh, mix in that family stuff in there as well. For those parents out there, uh, up up in these parts, I'm not sure if you know, but there's all the parents are running around singing, it's the most wonderful time of the year. See ya. Out here, school started like a month ago. Okay. Which is horrible in my opinion. When I, re- when I, was, a ch- when I was a child, school started like at the end of August, right before my birthday, like August – 23rd 24th i guess where you are it's starting this week in september but now they start like the first second week of august and we don't really get a lot of snow here anymore we used to get a ton of snow last year we barely had any touch the ground so like what's gonna happen are these kids gonna be out of school locally in like april that's strange because it's for over here it's always been the tuesday right after labor day Right after the holiday, we just know it's automatic in our in our DNA here in Canada for the most part that you know that Labor Day weekend comes around. It is officially the end, quote unquote, of summer because on Tuesday the kids go to school. Yeah, but I would imagine Canada is a little more well equipped to deal with like snow and things like that. Do you all have a lot of cancellations there? Yeah, we do, but not as often. And you know what? Last year I think we may have had one cancellation, but we in my area. We got pelted with snow a few times, but um, it's just when the buses go down, the schools are still open because a lot of you know parents have to work, right? So the schools are technically open. If you can get your kid to the school, they'll watch the child. So, well, we got plenty to talk about besides snow and school, Joe. Yes, we do. Lots to discuss here, and guys. Don't forget upper right hand upper right hand of your screen if you're on the YouTube channel right now. Uh, live chat. I see some conversations going on right there. Please join in in the conversation. Make Get sure over you there give and us use a our like. forums, guys. The fightful.com forums. <laughs> Go use them. Yes, all kinds of different topics. Some sanity over there. I scrolled on past some of them this past week and I was like, "Whew. Some of you guys are nuts out there." But good good conversations, good stuff there. UFC Rotterdam went down this weekend. Um, some good fights in the main card, some good fights in the preliminary card. Um, I, we can go up and down the card here, but before we do that, I just want to give an A-plus to Leon Edwards because Leon Edwards' ground game and his transitions and each chess move that he made, Sean, I was in awe. I was like, this kid on the ground is looking fantastic because every move wasn't just subtle. It was just, okay, I'm going to do this. You're going to give me two options. You're going to give me A, I'm going right to B. Now you're going to give me A or B, and now I'm going to A. And his transitions were amazing. Considering he fought Brian Barberina, who's a fantastic fighter, uh, and that one went to the decision, which I was, I was you know, impressed about. But, man, he looked really, really good. If you can get outstruck, like, times two and still look as good as Leon Edwards does, that really says something about your skills. He's won four in a row now. I'm looking for big things out of him. I think he's ready for a step up in competition. He And you, you know he's a guy that's not going to gas out. You know he's a welterweight that's not going to get tired because he's been there. He's been there over and over and over again. But the thing with him is you also know what he's capable of elsewhere. You know that he can knock a guy out in eight seconds like he did to Seth Bozinski. Yep. He's a guy to watch, in my opinion. His only loss is to your boy, Kamaru Usman, since, like, what, 2015. So he's looking real good these days. Yeah, Were you overly impressed with the card? 
or not somewhat really. impressed? No, not really. And there were some cool finishes, but some of the finishes were like underwhelming, like Mary and Renault's. Like that fight wasn't great, and even the finish, I was like, yeah, if you were to get a finish in this fight, that's exactly how you'd do it. Like I didn't one- mind the fight actually. I, I, I didn't mind it. It was there were times where it was like, ah. Uh... Come on. But, you know, I, I like the excitement. I like the fact that I think we knew Marion Renault was going to go into that fight with a striker's mindset because she did train for Jermaine Durand and me. And, and, you know, Bernardo did what she could, but by that second round, I mean, the gas tank was failing her. Yeah, you can tell she took this fight on extremely short notice, and that's to be expected. Good for Marion Renault winning this one at age 40. She's now unbeaten in her last three fights. She had that draw against Betch Cohea. And at 40... She also has shown in two of her last three fights that even when that round when that round clock says round three, three minutes in, four minutes in, almost five minutes in, she's not going to quit going for the finish. She finished uh, that fight at uh, on the Northern Ireland card, the Belfast card last year, like with a couple minutes left. She finished this one with six seconds left. I can respect that. I I think that is an admirable. An admirable attribute to to carry into MMA. Yeah, I think um, you know everyone on the on the chat kind of saying yeah, the, it was a sleeper card. Mm-hmm. Uh, not many big names, good fights, pretty good fights, uh, and like you said, some some pretty good finishes. Uh, I was impressed with uh, in the co-main event, you know, Sire Bayerduzada taking out Rob Wilkinson. I mean, his striking precision looks pretty good considering a guy that's only fought like twice or three times in the past four or five years. This was a, like a no-lose situation for the UFC. They put Wilkinson in there with Bahadurzada because it was Wilkinson's first fight. And, I mean, any time Bahadurzada fights, it might as well be his first UFC fight because it's it's been so long since his last one. I mean, he hadn't fought since Brandon Thatch, and that was just yeah. last year. But, I mean, when I say last year, it was a year and a half ago. Brandon Thatch seemed, feels like he hasn't fought in the UFC for three years. So, yeah, that was a no-lose situation for the UFC. If Bahadazada wins, then you get a guy back in the hunt. You get a guy back in the cage. If Wilkinson wins, then you get him knocking off a guy who was once looked at as a big, big prospect and somebody that they thought highly of. But I liked, I liked him. I liked his finish. I liked that he got in the cage and said, I'm looking to be more active. And I liked that he called out Matt Brown after the fight. But, I mean, he took this one at middleweight and Matt Brown's at welterweight so I, I don't really know where his future is well he, I think he did say that that this fight was taken at middleweight but he wants to transition back to welterweight which I think is the right thing to do uh and yeah I'd like to see that fight with Matt Brown for sure also who impressed me on the the prelims Zabit <laughs> and, and, Mar- and Marbeck uh they, they looked fantastic both of them yeah Tysimov's knockout was was borderline disgusting. Like yes, it, was it was a walk off. It was like boom, and you're just kind of like, ooh, that was nasty. Uh, poor Felipe Silva. Uh, it is what it is. Uh, I didn't have a chance to watch the Hobbylov Desmond Green fight, and that's the fight that I kind of wanted to see the most. But just my schedule was kind of uh, back and forth. Um, one judge had a thirty twenty seven. Two had a twenty nine twenty eight. Did you have a chance to watch it? And what did you think? Yes, I did. Uh, twenty nine twenty eight. It was a messy fight at times. There was this. Awesome spot where Hustam like suplexed Desmond Green, but there was no technique, none. It was just pure power. Like you see it, there's no bridge, there's really no throwing of the hips, anything like that. It was just uh, Havilov just throwing 
Desmond Green and muscling him over. Right man won. Desmond Green makes fights unpredictable and fun because he's got that wild, unpredictable style. I, I want to say basically like a junior Gilbert Melendez, maybe without the... Hey, how Gilbert Melendez fights these days, sure. Uh, very comparable to Desmond Green. Um, I was sort of, we'll get to the main event in one second. Were you surprised by the crowd who obviously, um, you know, in the Netherlands, they're very educated in fighting. Uh, they've got a huge boxing following. They got obviously Thai boxing is huge over there. Uh, MMA is obviously big now. Um, but it was almost like this, this middle sort of, it was like watching an event in Japan at times, very quiet, <laughs> clapping of the hands and then sort of cheering when it was someone that they knew. That fair? Yeah. Yeah. You know, are you surprised by that? I thought we would, we would hear more cheering. No, it, and a lot of it depends on how they mic the crowd, too. Like, And I don't know how they mic the crowd for this, this fight, this show. But, um, you know, with, with this level, I mean, if they're educated, they know that this wasn't the greatest of cards, too. True. So, hey, like, but you've got to have an emotional investment. Yeah. True, and I think that emotional investment came in Stefan Struve, who once again proved that you know inconsistency is his consistency. Uh, you just never really know what's going to happen in a Stefan Struve fight. You think he's—I mean, I thought he was looking fantastic uh, compared to you know the, the the very first time I saw him compete in the UFC, compared to where he is right now with his striking. I thought he was looking crisper. He had better movement. Head movement is never going to going to be one of his things. Uh, and he eventually became a stationary target for Volkov, who began landing that jab and then was coming in with the right and then was able to finish him off in the third round. I mean, Stefan looked good. Volkov was able to take the bit of punishment and then switch gears and then go in for the finish. It's funny because early on you saw Struve trying to employ a lot of the things that that people bag on him for. The head movement and maybe having some crisper boxing, maybe using his range, but then he fell back into his old tendencies. Also, playboy, you gotta keep your hands closed. Stop poking people. He should have had a point deducted. At that point, yeah. Three times he did it. The only reason he didn't get a point deducted the last time was because Volkov did it to him too. That's it. But I don't care that both of them did it at the same time. If I'm the ref, I say... Okay, Volkov, keep your hands closed. Struve, this is your third time. I'm taking a point. To me, if you do it twice, that's a point. Yeah, I mean, it depends on intent as well. But after the first warning, the second time, it's often it's a point. Yeah, it's got to be a point. It, does intent matter when the rule is to not do that? The rule is to not do that at all. Yeah, it's to have it, your. And you got Dan Hardy on commentary saying they really need to redesign the glove. They really need. How often do you see these in Bellator, Joe? True. Bellator did redesign the glove, and you don't see it nearly as often. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I, you're, you're bang on, but uh, there will always be in a, in a situation, especially, I know it sounds weird to, to most fans, as you move up in the card with the, with the talent level and, and, and the, the, you know, the stages and the layers of talent continue to improve, the referee is going to give a bit more leniency and will look at more at intent than they will, for example, at a, at a prelim fight where it's like, dude, you can't put your hands up there. Um, intent meaning if you're moving forward with your finger, that's a problem. But if you're defending back and it just so happens when you're doing the, the, the flick of the wrist and the guy's head is there, the intent wasn't there to poke the person in the eye. If the finger lands in the eye, listen, guy, you got you, you to gotta figure it out. You got to do something better. 
there is an opportunity um, to redesign the gloves. And I was dealing with a party actually here in Canada. I don't know what the latest was, but we were re- redesigning the glove. Uh, it's a guy in the insurance world, blah, blah, blah. And it, it, it's something that's great. It's akin to the old Shudo glove, uh, but with a bit more of a modification. Um, so the, the ability is there to redesign the glove, to still make it favorable for strikers and still be good enough for the grapplers to use. But at this point here, with the gloves there, with the fingers open, yeah, it's and, and with the new rule, you're right. It, you you, you got to be careful. You just got to be careful. Struve, unfortunately, did that. Uh, and I do agree. A point should have been taken away. Uh, but the bottom line is Volkov comes out victorious. Um, I don't know if he's that much of a threat right now at heavyweight. But the division doesn't have much depth. You never know what can happen with this guy. Yeah. Three wins in a <laughs> row, is it? I believe uh, I in, in the UFC. In the UFC, okay. he's 3-0. and uh, yeah. Overall, he's he's five and zero, including five, oh, a win yeah. over Attila Vey. Remember him? Yeah. <laughs> but I thought there was what what has to me the question is what is Bellator doing with the Russians? What are they doing with these guys? Because it's not it, just the Russians; it's the heavyweights. It's just so much, right? They uh, for Scott Coker to have come in and to allow so much of this. Basically, to steal a line from Luke Thomas, promotional malpractice to occur, I think is weird. Of course, Volkov lost a couple of fights in Bellator in 2015, but come on, man. Like, they were quick to let Emmanuel Newton go. They were quick to let Attila Vey go. I don't know what you're paying them, but it's prob- based on what you're paying other people, it's probably worth it to keep them around and say, former champion, former champion, former champion of our brand. And this yeah. is from a company that has had trouble holding on to guys that are champions. Now, what I hope is that this in the UFC opens up their eyes and says, okay, maybe some of these Russian guys, maybe some of these European guys are worth taking a look at. Like Blagoy Ivanov. Ivanov, how they miss on that guy. He's got to be yeah. making an insane amount out of uh, PFL or World Series of Fighting if UFC didn't get a hold of him because he's 15-1 with one no contest just – Clipping guys that were in the UFC a year ago, like Sean Jordan. I mean, he dominated LeVar Johnson when LeVar Johnson was like a year out of the UFC. The only guy that's beaten Ivanov is Volkov. So there are guys like that. There's there's Minikov. There there are a lot. Basically, anybody who fights and their last name ends with an OV, give them a look. <laughs> UFC, give them a look. Uh, Frodo would be a name that I would like to see. Maybe given a look at by Bellator or the UFC. That's another one that when I, whenever I think of Volkov, I, it just sets off this domino reaction in my head. I'm like, how how did Bellator screw this up so bad, and why didn't the UFC capitalize on it? Especially considering that that is a market they could just jump into. Maybe there's a lot of shady stuff with MMA over there. A well, lot of shady stuff is Kareem Zayden reports on all the time great stuff from him but uh, yeah. maybe maybe that's why they don't <laughs> well there's something well there's something going on obviously in russia good and bad with some of the events i mean you take a look at what happened with diego brandao this weekend uh, at efn fight nights global 73 in russia in looking at the event itself, I applauded when I started watching the video because I was like, damn, these dudes get some major attendance out there. This is a big show. 
We may never have heard of it here. Not, not, unless you're super hardcore in MMA here, you don't really know about EFN. But damn, they get some big time people showing up to their events. The problem is, is there's some craziness that happened in that Diego Brandao fight. The fight went down to the ground. Uh, Diego was holding on to his opponent, not really looking for a submission, not really looking for much to set up, but more or less holding it. And the referee was kind of in there, like trying to figure out, guys, you're going to keep fighting. You're not going to keep fighting. You got to advance your position. You got to do something, or I'm going to break you up. And then his opponent, uh, Ahmed Aliyev headbutts him in the chest headbutts him and the ref says whoa 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 which i think should be legal by the way okay another topic we'll get into that in a second maybe well maybe no one we know about concussions today maybe not but if this were if this were six years ago i'd say sure make it legal so he does that and then diego was just kind of like diego let's go he's like what the heck and the referee steps in there to basically say whoa whoa whoa, whoa. you can't do that you can't do that but as diego opens up his arms and as the referee saying that Aliyev doesn't care. He just starts wailing away at Brandao. And then the ref's like, whoa, whoa, what are you doing, dude? No, 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 stop, stop, stop. He eventually stops. Diego opens up his guard and kicks Aliyev right in the throat, up kicks him right in the throat. And the referee's like, whoa, guys, guys, come on, come on, come on. Diego gets up, says, washes his hands, steps away. I'm out of here. Tries to open the cage door. They wouldn't open the cage door for him. He hops the cage. Mayhem ensues. People are throwing things towards him uh, into the cage and stuff like that. He eventually makes his way back into the cage. He raises Aliyev's arm, but at that point there, the referee's like, dude, you can't do that. He even asked Diego to stay. It's like, dude, please don't leave. Please continue fighting. So controversy ensues, and people are kind of 50-50 on this, saying, you know what? Good for Diego Brandao for doing that. Other side is like, no, what are you doing? The referee was trying to control the situation. Why would you leave? I think that leaving was the best possible thing that was going to happen in that scenario. I don't think it was going to get any better. Brandau may have tried to bite him. Like there, there are a lot of different. I think I think what happened was the mature solution to that. To that, and that's saying something. That jumping out out and leaving the cage was probably the best call. Uh, I can see. I can understand why. Right. I just, you know, it's it's in this day and age. And again, um, I'm not saying it's Russia. It's not Russia at all. It's the scenario that I'm looking at. But man, when these crazy things happen in MMA, I just wish they wouldn't. You know, like, guys, come on, ref, you got to take a bit more control, be a bit more aggressive. You are the rule keeper in that fight. Uh, And the fighters have to understand, listen, you got to respect the referee's decision uh, or instruction. So this kind of mayhem doesn't take place because there's certain... There's certain areas, even in the States and even in Canada, where situations can get volatile real quick. You can go to a Canadian grassroots MMA show, and if the local fighter uh, is getting – or the local fighter potentially is getting the, a screw job from someone, believe me, the fans are going to react. I'm sure the same thing will happen in the States. It will happen anywhere in the world. You just got to be careful. You got to follow the rules, keep it clean, keep it MMA-related, and this stuff won't happen. Unfortunately, with EFN, it happened. Definitely. You got to maintain some integrity and – I don't know what would have happened had he not left. I mean, still, what happened when he did left leave was bad, but what would have happened if he didn't leave? I I don't know if that, that would have... I mean, if man tries to bite you, you know you can't headbutt somebody in the chest. Like, what, what else was going to go down? They still had quite a bit of that fight to go. I mean, yeah, they, it only happened in the second round. Yeah. So there was there was a lot of time for things to go completely awry, and uh, yeah. And as as I'm looking at that show, here's one for you, Joe. 
All but two fights on that show featured a fighter whose name ended in OV. (laughs) I'm not kidding you. Yeah, is the OV nine nine of eleven fights? Magomedov, Godzor, Ulenbekov, Bogatinov, Amirov, Kazanov, Amirov, uh, Ismadenov. I gotcha. I gotcha. I guess it could be like the Smith version. Hey. Man, you know what? Silva. If I'm playing Russian Jeopardy, I'm taking a V every time. <laughs> or not terrible. Jeopardy, Wheel of Fortune. There we go. Yep. Anyways, I, I did like I did like the show. Uh, I'd love to go out there and, and call one of those shows, but yeah, it's uh, a bit of mayhem. I'd like for you not to, because dealing with the the what is it? The uh, Yakuza is one thing, Joe, but you might not make it back if you go to Russia and your color commentator talks about. Never mind. No, no. I'm fine. I've been in, in <laughs> countries all over the world where I guess organized crime um, is prevalent or quietly prevalent, if that even makes sense. Uh, and I've been fine. I know when in Rome, do as the Romans. What kind Let's do you just deal say with, that. What kind do you deal with in Miami? Like, Oh, there's all kinds in Miami. Yeah. <laughs> there's all kinds in Miami. I mean, we can get into cartel discussions. We can get into a lot of different things in Miami. Uh, I've, I, I listen. I'm of, a, of Italian descent. Y'all can do. Y'all can make your own assertions right there. Um, you know, I've been to the Middle East where things can get pretty crazy out there. I've been to Miami. I've obviously been to Vegas. I mean, you can just imagine what happens in Vegas. Uh, I've been to Chi Town. I've been in, in in cities where you have no idea the power of organized crime. Where they could, small cities, big cities, just you know. So just mind your own business. That's my theory. Don't rock the boat. Just go in there, do your job. Uh, Thankfully, I'm one of those politically correct guys. Do my job, get out as quickly as I can, and hope the check clears when I get home. Fair? Fair. Fair. All right. Um, we're not going to move on to Edmonton, Alberta. You want to move on to uh, UFC 215? Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll save that for later. But okay. mm-hmm. you spoke to our boy Elias Theodore oh, yes. about the messy, messy John Jones, Daniel Cormier situation. And it is messy. There are some Oof. questions. Oh, there's a blood test that came back negative, but that substance doesn't show up in a blood test. Let's hear Elias's take. You give your all to all you do. Don't settle for less from your shampoo. From what I've learned, or what I've learned about Taranabol or whatever it's called, it's like, for lack of a better word, a pre-workout on steroids. So... It, again, and with the blood test, obviously they don't actually test for that specific substance. So even though he has a new one, the real more important thing is the, the B sample. The B sample is going to come back, and if that is uh, negative, then this whole thing's messed up. Um, but the, the issue being, I, I really think it is just a transition on what substance he's been abusing. I think um, if you look back at the um, suspension that he had, that is where his body and transformation happened at its biggest, the biggest difference. Um, there, you can find it on online where there's a picture of him with his hips like this and then him jacked or whatever like that. Because when you're suspended, they don't actually test you. So I think when he was suspended, I think he just transitioned it, allegedly, uh, into um, a different addictive substance. When you look at this type of scenario, you're a human being. I'm a human being. We all have feelings. We all have emotions. We all have our own stresses, our own lives to deal with. John Jones was on top of the world. He lost everything. 
got a chance to come back back on top of the world uh, and said he suffered so much during that absence that he then realized, quote-unquote, he then realized um, what it was like to be on top and how to lose all these massive sponsorships and major money and blah, 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 that he would never do it again. He was sorry. He was this. He was that and blah, blah. And then, like you said, the news comes out and it's like, oh, my goodness. Now, I mean, how do you look yourself in the mirror, your family, your kids, your parents, your relatives? I know he's got two brothers in the NFL that are super rich. So, I mean, Sean Ross Sapp said, no way, Joe. He's going to be fine. And I'm like, dude, I don't know how fine you can be when you failed this again and potentially failed this again. I mean, I feel I, I legit feel bad for the guy because I don't see the story ending very well. You know, yes. You know, his brothers also failed for substances. So it's not like, again, who do you think he's talking to, allegedly? Like, again, it it runs in the family in regards to athletics and who everyone's talking to. Um, I think that the conversation is not something that he's not having. I think he's talking to people around him. And you are the accumulation of those you surround yourself with, um, for better or worse. And unfortunately, the worst thing kind of showed up Um, is – his other brother uh, failed for um, synthetic marijuana as well or had an allergic reaction. But that's because for whatever reason, they test for marijuana. And But the crazy thing is with uh, that substance, it's essentially bath salt. It's not, anything, it's not anything like marijuana. It's synthetic marijuana, which gave him an allergic reaction. So his family's tested as well and failed for things as well. So it's not like it's the first time in the Jones family. It's just the way our sport's structured. It's not one or two games that you miss and the, the union swipes it under the rug. No, he might get the book thrown at him and it's four years suspension. Yeah, that's, that's, that's insane. He's, he's, I mean, it's, I don't even want to fathom that. Anyways, speaking of guys who don't like synthetic marijuana, guys who like the real stuff, Nate Diaz, CBDs, THC, whatever it is, he's a huge proponent. Him and his brother are huge proponents. Uh, and, I, and I mentioned Nate Diaz because that was the name that Conor McGregor blurted out when asked what potentially could be next for him. Conor McGregor is all about the money fights. And right now, I believe he thinks that Nate Diaz, the trilogy fight, is the ultimate money fight in the Ultimate Fighting Championship. Uh, I thought for sure perhaps Habib Nurmagomedov was going to be a big fight as well because Kid's got a huge social media following, maybe not in North America, but globally, it's huge. When it comes to Conor McGregor, do you believe it's all about the money fights and will that trilogy with Nate Diaz likely be it, despite Nate saying, nah, I need 10 figures? Yeah. Um, well, again, the, the, I think that's a bargaining chip. You ask for $20 million, you get somewhere in between, you're not complaining. Um, I think it makes sense, the trilogy fight. I think that's the biggest fight there is. Uh, because again, you got to throw in the factor that Tiramisu and the fact that what's his face, his body is shut down in a couple of times. So do you, do you bank it on someone that might be huge in Russia and in part of the world and, and definitely true, but someone that might not make 155? There's a reason why him and Ferguson have never fought. And two of those three times are because of Habib. So there's that. And Nate is for all. His pros and cons, you could definitely say he's a competitor through and through, and he'll make 155. Um, And I think that's the trilogy in the money fight because of the bad blood. And, again, close second fight. You could have gone either way. Um, So I think it makes sense that it becomes a trilogy. 
Ye olden Theodoru. Yeah, this Jones DC situation is a mess. I want to know what you make of DC saying that he'd like to box John Jones. Why? Well, uh, I believe you posted that on the Fightful MMA uh, Twitter account, and I just replied back, hashtag no head kicks. Yeah. Because he was boxing fine. His striking was doing pretty damn good against John Jones. And the next thing you know, that fight ended real quick when that left high kick landed. So um, I, I don't get this UFC, guys. I, I sort of get, I understand, a lot of these UFC fighters wanting to box now, obviously with Conor McGregor. But no, none of these guys are Conor McGregor. I'm sorry. Well, when, John Jones when isn't. George St. Pierre isn't. When your opponent can't fight MMA for a while, it's really. Yeah, but still, it's, it's, it's an MMA fight, John. Or uh, DC. Come on. Beat the guy in, in MMA, and then we'll be happy. I mean, forget the boxing thing. You'd watch right? it, like, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah. Of course. I'll watch I it. That's all that matters. Yeah. That's all that matters. Not, not, not that it all matters. It's the fact that if these, if this is what's presented to us, yeah. I don't want it presented to me. You know, I want when I go to a restaurant and I order a steak, I want a steak. Don't bring me salmon. I mean, to be honest, I'd watch them just shin kick each other if that's what they were doing. I'd do it. <laughs> I, that's, I would watch them. Same thing. Is it ideal? No, but I would still watch it. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of MMA stuff that I watch. I mean, I'll watch a Fedor fight. I don't want to, but watch. I've watched tag team MMA before. I've watched night fights before. I'm, you know, I've checked it out. True. What was that crazy ass thing? X arm. X arm. Yeah, the arm Remember wrestling, that? and then <laughs> <laughs> I watched the trailer for that. <laughs> yeah. No, I I saw a bit of tag team MMA. I'm like, this is insane. Let's, let's stop. Yeah. Stop. Stop. Stop trying to reinvent another wheel. Um, with this John Jones scenario, I, I mean, we're going to keep talking about it, unfortunately. Maybe not at, not at length, but we're going to keep talking about it until a resolution or a final verdict uh, is given to us. My, my issue with this whole situation is it still doesn't make sense. I mean, there's – Tony Meekin on the, on the actual live chat asked, you know – should should we pay? Should John be paying attention to the people around him? Yes and no. I mean, even Elias is kind of saying things like, you know, the guy's an addict. The guy's an addict. He's looking. He's he's trying to get that high. Continually getting that high. Bottom line is, um, well, there's there's sort of a bottom line, Sean. You are responsible for what you ingest into your system. Okay. Bottom line is, you are responsible as a professional athlete. If you're taking an over-the-counter supplement, I don't care if it's protein, uh, any BCEs, whatever it is, you still have to make sure it's okay through USADA if that product is listed under the USADA or if it's okay. So in the end, it's still always up to you. Now, you can have bad people around you on your team, Sean, Let's say, hey, dude, take this. You're not going to get caught. Dude, I did a bunch of research on this thing here. Take it. They're not going to catch it. If you take it, it's not the guy that rec- or girl who recommended it to you. It's you. Is yes. that fair? Yes. Uh, also, I wanted to clarify something you said that on, uh, I believe it was, I think you said that I said that Jones would be okay. That was in response to, I think you saying that he might be in financial trouble in a few years, might be out of a place to live. I don't think that's the case because of, I mean, he's got two, like, super rich brothers. Like, I mean, like, insanely rich brothers. Like, one of them signed an $82 million contract and the other one... Even though he is uh, a free agent right now, still a millionaire. Like that's the situation. When the worst person, when when the least famous person in your family is an NFL free agent, I think you're you're going to be okay. And I think he's going to be okay. Oh, but I wasn't referring to financial. <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, as far as the homeless comment went, like he's going to have a place to live. 
I don't even say I don't. I'm not even referring to homeless. I'm referring more to this guy. You know, you know what? Let it go. Let it go. I'm referring. I'm. I'm only concerned about his well-being mm-hmm. uh, and potentially falling into some sort of depression after having to. If this all goes awry on him, Sean. And again, he's got to face his his girl and his kids, his daughters and his family. And yeah, I cheated again, and now we've lost everything again. Yeah, that that too. Uh, also, Things I would, get ugly there. Wouldn't be surprised to see his brother getting into MMA. He's thirty one, but as a heavyweight, wouldn't wouldn't be surprised to see his brother getting MMA, Arthur, because Arthur's he's always big, he's always shown that interest. He's always yeah. he said that he's trained with with John before. Will it be high level? No, probably not. But if he gets down to a good 275 from that 320 pounds, which cannot be easy to maintain, by the way, 320 pounds, uh, I could see him doing a thing or two. And, hey, 31 years old ain't that old for MMA. I'll never forget for when he was standing next to John Jones when John was fighting Rashad Evans uh, at the weigh-ins. Tyron Spung was there uh, behind Evans. And I don't know what, what Arthur was doing, but he was yipping and yapping. And John was yipping and yapping, and Rashad's going to yip and yap, and Tyron Spung was there as confident as ever, not a word, just staring down Arthur. And I'm like, if something goes down here, yeah. it's going to be real ugly for Arthur. God, you know, I just you better hope whatever yeah. tackle you can get going here, you better tackle Tyron to the ground because Tyron is a bad, bad dude. But um, I guess we need to take a look at the scenario continually because there's no end to it. Until we get a verdict, like I mentioned earlier on before. It just doesn't make sense. It doesn't. It doesn't make any sense. So I, I don't know how this will play out. I would not be shocked to see the tainted supplement situation come again. And the thing is, the shame of it is, like, what if it was? What if this was just some coincidence? Is it likely? Probably not. But what if it was? We know the USADA people don't think highly of John Jones, as is, <laughs> for, for a number of reasons. The alleged incident where he was underneath the ring, and Chael Sonnen is backpedaling that a little bit, saying, I don't know that he was under there, but I know that USADA thinks that he was under there, under the ring. Also, I'm sure that USADA isn't that thrilled with the, the idea, or the, one of their flubs came to light. They tested him for cocaine when they weren't supposed to be testing him for cocaine, and they got some criticism for that. And a lot of people say, well, why don't they test for cocaine? Because they're not vice cops. They don't care if you smoke weed outside of, outside of in competition, which is what? The, a few day, within the, the window of the fight, basically. Fight week, yeah. Fight week. And, and they shouldn't. They shouldn't give a damn if you do marijuana or anything like that, but... They got kind of popped a little bit. That's why he didn't really face any major punishment for that. Because that's not their job. They're they're not there to police what you do outside of camp as as far as that goes. But they, they're trying to keep you off of PEDs and trying to keep your heart from exploding at 45 years old too. So I'm sure they don't think highly of him. And I'm sure they'll make it tough on him. But we'll see how it goes, man. It's It's, a, it's an interesting one. Well, every all signs are pointing to tainted supplement. I mean, that's the first thing that uh, a friend of mine, um, yeah, he's a police officer here, uh, knows 
all kinds. He, he's also one of those nutritional guys and obviously knows a lot about performance-enhancing drugs uh, and understands what the body does and stuff like that. And he's like, the only thing I can think of here, man, um, is, is a tainted supplement. I think that's what John's going to go with. And then you get Elias coming out and saying, you know, this guy's a, he's, he's got an addictive personality. He's an addict. He needs that high. He needs this. He needs that. And I've heard crazy stories about John Jones, even when he was here uh, in Toronto. I've got my own personal opinion of John uh, growing up in the world in the spotlight of MMA. So nothing would really surprise me with John other than the fact that I will feel bad for him, though, if it is a tainted supplement, but I won't on one end. It's, it's just a weird, weird-ass scenario. Here's the difference, Joe. Last time when it was a tainted supplement, it was technically out of competition, even. Mm-hmm. This time, he had to disclose every supplement that he was taking. I believe last time it got to him before he could even disclose what supplements he was actually taking on paperwork. This time, he already had to do that. Now, we have seen situations where Chris Cyborg didn't disclose anything, and all of a sudden, poof, they ain't doing that for John Jones. Bet you they don't do that for John Jones, which is interesting, because he's never actually failed a drug test and been proven as a cheat, whereas a cyborg was. That is the biggest difference in this that I see is is the disclosure of supplements that he had to be taking. Let me throw this your way. Uh, Kieran George uh, posted something on the live chat and it was, it was responded by Vinny Fernando. Kieran George says, Jones is still number one pound for pound on my list. I don't discredit everything he's done. And, and then uh, Vinny basically said, for me, once you get popped, you should be disqualified from all GOAT conversations. Hey, I mean, that's, that's one of the reasons why I kind of pulled back on the Anderson Silva stuff. That situation, a little questionable. You know, he was coming off of a pretty disgusting leg break. So, you know, maybe, but that's a tough one, man. That's a very tough one. It is because you look at an athlete and realize the skill set that he or she may have. But then you look at the fact that if been popped for something uh, performance enhancing, it immediately taints it no matter what. Because you look at it, it's like, well, this guy didn't do it naturally or girl didn't do it naturally. You know, he needed or she needed that enhancement during training, a.k.a. Vitor Belfort, um, to be who they are. Right. So it is it is a conversation worth having because, in my opinion, John Jones could be the greatest. I mean, I think Joe Rogan said he's the biggest uh, screw up F up of all time. Yeah. And one of the things that. The Chael Sonnen, Chael Sonnen's come out and said, yeah, I'm pretty sure he was juiced then because I know that I was. And he still pushed me around. But, I mean, the thing with the Chael Sonnen, I have a hard time determining what is entertainment and what is real with him. And that's that's really coming – I think that's haunting some of his analysis these days because he said something like, yeah, John Jones can't keep the needle out of his butt. This was an oral steroid. Mm, yeah, the the supplement that he failed for last year, oral. Mm, so you got to wonder with that. Chell's chill though. Chell's doesn't is. care what he says. He's going to say it no matter what. He's going to try and get uh, as much clickbait in his headlines as he can possibly get. So uh, he does he, it. He, he does it. Yep. He's. I, I don't fault him for for doing what he has to do. I mean, let's be honest for a second. Um, in doing what he did. 
it paved the way because he learned that kind of stuff, obviously, from superstar Billy Graham and some of the crazy stuff that happened in the old days of the of, of professional wrestling. Uh, Tito Ortiz used to do stuff like that. Frank Trigg used to do stuff like that. Conor McGregor perfected stuff like that. You just say things, man. Get the headlines. Get what you need to do. So Chael, I think, in my opinion, has not only mastered that, but like you said, there is a fine line to the point where many people aren't going to believe you, those that are in the know. And then there's that other side of the line where fans will eat it up because they don't know all the headlines. And the subject himself, John Jones, is facing that as well. Three drug test failures, even though neither of the two that have been really solved contributed were, were PED cheat situations. But uh, still, uh, that happened. Then you got him wrecking a car, running away. Then you got him, before that, wrecking a car with a bunch of women in the car, drunk. Like, it's happened time and time again, so when you screw up this much, people don't want to give you the benefit of the doubt. That's a thing, and that, that's what it's boiled down to with John, right? You've done it so much. When you, when you sent me that what's up message that John Jones again or screwed up again, my initial reaction was part of me was just disappointment, and part of me was like, what did we expect, man? What did we expect? Right, hey, what, so... I got to ask you, what do you think of the new Reebok fight kits? I didn't even look at them. I got the email, and I've, I've, I've had this disdain since they first came out. I didn't mind them, but then the more I look at it, and, and since they've come out, and since we've seen the UFC, uh, all the fighters compete with these kits, it, it, it took away so much of the individuality of the fighters, in my opinion. You know, I, I just, you know, I, honestly, I haven't even looked yet, but They're not I bad. don't know what. Yeah, I just bad. I just kind of like the fighters to be their own peeps. You know, I, I that's why I kind of enjoy watching other MMA events, whether it's Bellator uh, or whatever, because the fighters can still be themselves. They can do. I know Reebok has a lot of different styles, different types of shorts. You can go Muay Thai, you can go wrestling, you can go, uh, um, you know, the, the the tight ones, the old school Frank Shamrock, GSP ones, whatever. But I just I just miss the individuality of the fighters. Excuse me. Yes. And the, some of the new shirts look good. The, the shorts are a little bit different. I, myself and uh, Nikita Krylov fan were talking, and he's like, man, they just need to open up one sponsor slot. Just, just open up one sponsor slot. Joe, we talked about it here. I think we should do like a full-on podcast one day about how much the sponsor tax and Reebok hurt a lot of MMA money. Not just for the fighters, dozens, dozens of clothing lines shut down over the sponsor tax. Dozens. Where's Silver Star at these days? They ain't yeah, nowhere. They yeah, were in, there's a lot of them. They were in like Dunham's and Hibbit Sports and all over the place and like nowhere now. When's the last time you saw somebody wear an extreme couture shirt? How crazy is it that the one that survived and thrived the most is American Fighter? The one yeah, that you mentioned a, that. The one that had a rip-off American Pie logo survived and thrived the best because it was like, you know what? We got American in our name. We got fighter in our name. Let's cater to a different demographic. Yeah. yeah. And, and they worked. They adapted. Hitman fight gear, as Stone Osborne said, that was in Kmart, man. That was in oh, Kmart. Yeah. I remember seeing that. Sinister was in Kmart. I remember when James Tony was wearing that stuff around, and it was, it was in my local Kmart. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, look what I'm wearing today, right? Under Armour. 
Yeah. It's just one of those things. It's 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 a totally different ball game. I remember a sponsor that was at a uh, a local event. I think it was. I don't think it was the UFC Expo. We, here we had before there was a UFC Expo. It was called the MMA Expo, uh, and there was a fighter that had a, a, a fighter. Excuse me, a, a sponsor with his wife. And their product got onto a couple of UFC fighters, and I remember the person saying, "Man, trying to get into the UFC, it's like it's extortion. It's absolute extortion. What you have to pay just to have your logo on some of the fighters." And even at that point, I'm like, "You paid it? Yeah." I'm like, "How are you possibly going to generate that many sales just to make up? I think it was like 10k, but like just to make up that money." shirts and shorts and whatever you have to sell because I came from the clothing industry in MMA before I got into broadcasting there was showdown fightwear and showdown boxing we got into the UFC back in the day with um, uh, when Jeremy Horn fought Elvis Sinisic, uh and I think when in a Chuck Liddell fight. Anyways, we got into the UFC, but it was at no charge. We just, you know, the shorts we were paying the fighter for sponsorship. As it went on, I'm like, how can these companies possibly afford this if you're not making super killer sales? So when this happened, I'm like, these these companies are gonna go out of business. And then when Reebok came in with the deal and basically ousted everybody, I'm like, the smart ones, where are they going to go? You better jump on Bellator. Need to take advantage of this. You got to go to Bellator. You got to take advantage of this, and all the other MMA companies to take a look at this and say, okay, or MMA promotional companies need to say, okay, you know what? You can't be in the UFC. What, what could we do here and try and figure it out? Management had to get smart about it. I mean, I see Hayabusa commercials here. Um, Hayabusa is still kicking around. Hayabusa is actually in a, they're in a Walmart here. They're in Sportcheck here. They're in a variety of stores, but the only commercials that they have uh, are on a local station here. So it's it's yeah, it's weird, man. So hey, it's sad. It's sad. Otherwise, I'd be. I'd be creating new designs for Fightful and shipping that stuff out everywhere. I'd be trying to get us in department stores. It's 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 the nature of the beast, though. We, we'd right? have our logo on Elias. Exactly. Speaking of Elias, the guy's texting me nonstop right now. <laughs> he's at an airport. <laughs> Man, he, he must, he's got to love that intro, though. Oh, he does. He does. He says he absolutely loves it. He um, should. What you- this is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. The crazy Nate Diaz intro. Well, we gave it to him last week. I mean, this is what we said was going to happen, right? Yeah. So, shout outs to Nate Diaz for making us look really smart. He wants 20 to 30 million, and he should want 20 to 30 million. And it's crazy. It's crazy for people to think that Nate Diaz would want 20 or 30 million. Uh, Nate Diaz deserves 20 or 30 million because the difference between, between Nate Diaz fighting Conor McGregor and Kevin Lee fighting Conor McGregor is probably about five to 600,000 buys. Huge. Huge. Absolutely huge. So now, will the UFC bend? Will the UFC say, you know what, Nate, we are going to give you this. 15 million. 10 million. Because obviously with negotiations, when you're looking at anything that you negotiate, you are going to go in high. Okay? Because you know your number is somewhere 
middle or above middle. You're going to go high. They're going to counter offer you with something fairly low, and then you start bringing and trying to bring that middle line. You know, you're trying to bring the high line, low line, something in towards the middle. So if Nate wants twenty or thirty million, uh, I wouldn't be surprised if Nate wants actually wants twenty or thirty million. Uh, would he sell for fifteen or ten million? Right, that's the question. Now it is a Conor McGregor fight that he's asking for this kind of money. And you damn well know the next time Conor McGregor fights in the octagon, uh, it will likely break the pay-per-view by record for the UFC. Mm-hmm. So Nate, being the B-side, needs to make that B-side money. Yes, he does. And the B-side money shouldn't be $2 bucks. No. Correct. It shouldn't be $2 bucks. See, from I mean, the UFC's perspective, Sean, you have to, I, I believe that they would have to look at this and say... Based on our historical records of pay-per-view and how we know how much Connor can sell, how much we can sell, how much you know, the, so so I, I mentioned this before, uh, and Dana told John Morgan and I this from MMA Junkie one time. Each UFC event has its own PNL. Okay, mm-hmm. so anyone that knows business, each UFC event is its own corporation. Okay, so it's got revenue and it's got expenses. Okay, so for that specific UFC event, how much money uh, are they estimating to make? And if we, know, as- we know this weekend, worst case scenario on a Demetrius Johnson pay-per-view, they make like 2 or $3 million. Yeah. And those are considered bombs. To me, if I'm running a show and I'm making 2 or $3 million, I'm probably pretty happy. Yeah, let's do right? that. Let's run yeah. another one next weekend. Yeah. So the situation is like that they're in. Conor McGregor, for the first Nate Diaz fight, made 33% less on his downside guarantee than Andre Arlovsky did at Affliction Day of Reckoning in 2009 on his downside guarantee. Yeah. Now, I'm sure he made a lot more off that pay-per-view because I get the feeling that Arlovsky probably didn't get a chunk of pay-per-view after that. Uh, uh, no. Fedor did. But, I mean, come on. That was eight years ago. That was eight <laughs> years ago, man. It's time. Push the pay up. Dana White was the smartest. The Fertitas were the smartest. They got a great investment. They, there. I don't even know if there's a multiple term that I can use to explain how good of an investment they got. They got out. They got out at about the time when fighters are starting to realize, oh, we can do this. We can do this. There's talk of associations. There's a little more pushback on Reebok. Like. And and they still own a piece of the company. They still own like small pieces of the company too. Yeah, little small revenue streams, Brilliant. little small profit sharing. I gotcha. Uh, it, it was weird, and and I'll, I'll never forget when I first got the hint that they were getting ready to sell, and I was like, hmm. First of all, you bought it for two million. It's worth billions. Yeah. Me personally, uh, obviously, I'm not a Fertitta. Uh, nor am I – well, da- I, I guess you could say I am more of a Dana White than I am a Fertitta because I didn't grow up with billions of dollars uh, when my dad started off station casinos back in the day. Uh, so I don't know what it's like to have billions of dollars. Uh, you know, Blue collar like Dana White who eventually became a rich guy having the right idea, my mentality would, be, would have been if, if I'm investing that kind of money at $2 million, that damn thing makes $100 million, I'm out. I am set for life. These guys waited for billions and billions and billions. They got it, and they got yeah. out at the right time, like you said. We have somebody in the live chat saying Nick and Nate would never get a fight if they ran a promotion. 
says, Nate doesn't get $20 million. I love those two brothers, but I'm, if I'm their employer, I tell them to go F themselves. Nick has no negotiating power at this point. He hasn't fought in years. He hasn't won in even longer. There's no proof that he can draw anymore. There's really none. None. Nate does have negotiating power. Nate did record numbers from what, what we know, like... By all indications, record numbers, including the UFC.TV buys, which aren't really revealed, to face Conor McGregor. And a a rubber match will still do that. And we don't know what kind of numbers a Conor McGregor brings in after he's been exposed to the boxing community. Because I, I don't think his performance against Floyd Mayweather is going to cause fewer buys... No way. So, I mean, I don't know if it will cause more, but I don't think it will cause fewer buys. Um, that's it. That's the, Nate is the difference between 1 million and maybe 1.7 million buys. And that's just a matter of the opponent. It's not necessarily his drawing power in particular. It's his drawing power against Conor McGregor. It's like Alexander Gustafson. You put him on a show against uh, Ozdemir as a pay-per-view headliner... Probably not going to do a lot. Not not going to do a lot. You put John Jones on a pay per view against Ozdemir. It's probably not going to do a lot. You put John Jones against Alexander Gustafson on a pay per view. Well, it's not going to sell like crazy, but it's going to sell significantly more than either of those other two shows were. A lot of it is a product of the opponent. A lot of it is the product of the name recognition and building the stars accordingly and correctly uh, and having this, you know, I, I called Conor McGregor lightning in a bottle. Um, you know, he's the perfect storm. He was the guy that was able to pull it all together on so many different facets. Uh, and I, I don't think it's overly difficult for a lot of the UFC fighters to sort of follow in that. A lot of them just don't know how they choose not to. Uh, I know Elias is trying very, very hard. Uh, I don't know why he hasn't caught on yet from a Canadian perspective. Uh, George St. Pierre still has that aura about him. He still has that love. He still has that intrigue. Uh, but part of it is that, you know, oh, I, I, I know why a lot of the, the Canadian fighters don't have the love that George St. Pierre has uh, in terms of what, what's going on here in, in the UFC um, or in Canada, but there are ways you could do it. You just have to have the. You don't have to really reinvent the wheel. You know, it's not about just being a shit disturber on social media. There's a lot more to it. Uh, media is powerful, very powerful, and you can do it on a regular basis. Some of them just don't choose to do it. Right, so uh, it is what it is, but it goes back to your, to your description of Alexander uh, John Jones being a main event that would sell. Those are names that people know. Vulcan Uzdemir is a badass fighter. Nobody knows who he is really, other than us guys here in the MMA bubble. So back to Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor. We've seen them fight not once. We've seen them fight twice. We will watch them a third time if they put that fight together. And there's major intrigue just because a it's a trilogy fight, but b it's Conor McGregor. Yep. The A-side. We want to see him fight. People want to see him fight. And not just you and I and everyone in the live chat, everyone watching right now, everyone tuning on, uh, tuning in later on on iTunes and Stitcher and whatnot and, and Fightful Pods. People outside of our bubble want to see Conor McGregor. If you mentioned Conor McGregor is fighting on Saturday night, people are like, oh, really? Against who? Who's this Nate Diaz guy? And people will know who Nate Diaz is by the time that fight takes place. Yep. Because I- Conor will bring that flavor. And I want to see you guys in our live discussion for UFC 215. Uh, I want to see you all in our live discussions for a lot of things. Head over to Fightful.com, click on our stories, comment on our stories, generate conversation. I want to see more of that. 
we're looking to interact with you guys more on the forums and the stories themselves. Uh, I'm not looking to interact with Polly Malinaji ever. <laughs> Why? You hate him. I don't mind the guy. He's just a bit of a cuckoo, but I like no, him. No, I, I don't hate him. He's just corny, man. He's just. <laughs> did you bring your balls, Connor? Connor, did you bring your balls? Co- Connor, hey, Connor. Did you bring your balls? Connor, did you bring your balls? Hope you brought your balls, oh, That's Connor. awesome. That's, that's really all I wanted to get out there. He's trying. He's saying he would fight McGregor for free. No, he wouldn't. No, you wouldn't. No, he wouldn't. No, he no, wouldn't. I'll watch it for free, but you ain't fighting him for free. Yeah, that ain't happening. We know better. Paulie, I can give you $20 million to fight Conor McGregor, or I could take you up on your offer for doing it for free. What will it be? Mm-hmm. Well, I think he'd maybe get – he'd probably get 10. He could get 10 out of that. He get more. I think he can. No, man. Because, I mean, Conor was only – guaranteed 30 for that mm-hmm. and this mm-hmm. fight ain't gonna be anything near what mayweather mcgregor was nothing will be so but i mean man it's it's crazy that Polly malinaji could get more money than miguel cotto at this stage for a fight with like conor mcgregor it's 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 a little sad hey guys by the way speaking of boxing carlos toro if he doesn't get blown away by the hurricane Fightful Boxing Newsletter, it has rankings, it has results, it has analysis, has exclusive stories, uh, retrospectives, all kinds of stuff. Head over there, check that out every week at Fightful.com. That is something very special that Carlos puts together. I'm going to start divvying up those stories again. I haven't been able to. Lately, it's been slammed over at Fightful.com. But, you know, we got MMA, pro wrestling, and boxing. Do you think Jose Aldo is going to box? Because I don't. Uh, am I allowed to say that Carlos Toro is the shiznit? He is. He rules, man. That dude is just something else, man. Ah, oh, guy's amazing. And Jose Aldo, you're not going to box. And now he wants to fight at UFC 217. What? I don't, I don't – I mean I know, Sean. I've told you 46,000 times the guy operates on a different frequency. A lot of them do. But By stop. them, do you mean Brazilians? Because that seems no, to be no. a recurring theme. Well, no. I mean, I, I could say this. Jose does. Henning Barrao does. Uh, Chris Cyborg does. Uh, but so do the, De- the Diaz brothers. Vitor Belfort does. Yeah. yeah the, I hey, mean, the Diaz bro- But you know what I mean. Like, there's this... And really, there there should be more freedom, but a lot of them have this weird... Like, have some weird, weird demands that they make. Dude, yeah, Roy the, McDonald, Roy McDonald operates on a yeah, completely but different frequency. His frequency isn't like a "Hey, I'm going to leave MMA and box," or "I'm going to leave MMA and play soccer," or "Hey, I won't fight any yes. other Canadians," or uh, you you hold your own press conference and every time somebody asks you a question, you make it about Jesus. I know you've been on those with Vitor before because I sure as hell have. Uh, out of, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Lo Comite. Out of touch. That's the perfect, perfect summation of that. Out of touch is what some of these people are. Some. Some. Le committee, some, some, not all. Some, yes. Because I've I've had one-on-one dealings with many of them. And I don't mean just with a microphone, me asking questions, placing said microphone uh, in face, looking for a reply i mean cameras off uh phones off just literally shooting the breeze and i just like ooh, i gotta go i gotta go we are <laughs> not talking about the same thing here i'm trying to you know like i mean i i, I, I roy mcdonald's one 
the Diaz. Actually, you know what? I had amazing conversations with the Diaz brothers. Two of my best interviews ever. Three of my best interviews ever were, were Nick and Nate. You know, um, they're 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 not as cuckoo as people think they are. They're they're actually they got their their shiznit together. They just go off the rails every so often. Right? That's that's what they do. They're the Diaz brothers. But yeah. um, you know, I, and I've had conversations with Jose through a translator, and it seems everything is cool. And then I see what's happening in some of the headlines and some of the stories, and I'm like, what? Vanderlei? What? Like you and I rode a bus from the airport. In Japan, all the way to the hotel where Ryzen was taking place, and it was just like we were catching up and talking about our sons and kids in general and what to do with this and what to do that and, and soccer and blah, blah, and MMA and what happened with the UFC and everything is cool and then just what just happened here? Craziness. Craziness. You know, so like I said, some of these guys just – they don't operate on a frequency that most of us here would think is, is almost rational or makes sense. They're, they're, they're out there. And Jose Aldo, I mean, when, when I looked at the, the the you and I prepping for the show, and I saw you put Jose Aldo hokey pokey, I'm yeah. like, I know exactly what Sean's saying here. It's crazy. <laughs> it's not always Brazilian. Sometimes it's Tyron Woodley. Now, not to defend the guy, but I understand what he's trying to get to, Sean. He should he's want just... that fight with GSP. He should yeah. want that fight with GSP. He's come out and publicly stated it ain't about the number one contender anymore. It ain't about the champion and who the champion is defending against anymore. This is a business. It's about the money fight. I'm sorry, ladies and gentlemen. It has always been about the money fight. Since day one. Before yeah. the UFC in, 2000 and, or in 1993, it's about the spectacle. It's about the intrigue. It's about the money fight. It's what is going to garner the most eyebrows or, or, or eyeballs. Okay, um, It's not about... Rankings. I know we we want it to be we want to be traditionalists, and it's about you know number five fighting number four, eventually getting their title shot at a number one contender. I get that. I understand that. That's how it should be. But it's it's not how it works. It's about intrigue. It's about the money fight. And now Tyron Woodley's figured it out. He wants that GSP fight. And te- tell you what, good for him. I just don't see him getting it. I don't see him getting it either. And it might be he might be thirty six <laughs> years old before the next time we see him. He's got a his shoulders wrecked. Mm. His shoulders wrecked. You look at the landscape. He, he's looking at this and he's saying, "Oh man, there there aren't money fights. There aren't Carlos Condit. What's he doing? I don't know. Masvidal versus Thompson. Well, you can't give Thompson that fight again. No nope. Lawler. If you know he can't, what's he what's he gonna do? You, you're gonna give him the fight. He got knocked out in the first round. If Donald Cerrone could put together two wins in a row at this in this division, you know maybe he gets that fight." I think that if he, if Donald Cerrone would have beaten uh, Robbie Lawler and then won one fight after that, I think they would have been thrilled to book Woodley versus Cerrone. That's that's really if you look up and down that top fifteen division, that's Tyron Woodley's best money fight is Donald Cerrone. And with all with all due respect to Donald Cerrone, that ain't saying a lot. Like Rafael dos Anjos, we know was on deck for UFC two fourteen. If somebody fell out, he's had a bit, uh, you know, he's a former champion, but we'll we'll talk more about him in a bit. There isn't a lot at welterweight. That's why I'm like, hey, Habib, if you can't make that weight, playboy, jump on up. Just jump on up and try to try to do something there. Now, you may be at a, at a size disadvantage there, but to me, Habib is out of the Connor conversation until he can prove he can make weight because we don't know that he can safely. 
So if I'm if I'm a Nate Diaz, I'm a Habib, and I can't get that fight at 155, I'm jumping up to 170 and saying nobody wants to do this. I'll do it. Give me that money. Uh, I need to give you a warning very quickly. Uh, I just heard the garage door open downstairs, which mm-hmm. means my wife uh, is home with my son, likely from school, and I left my door open. So if oh you see a six and a half year old, or you hear a six and a half year old voice come in, uh, or or just photobomb us here, my apologies to everybody. So yeah, just mute your um, mic and I'll carry it. We got <laughs> UFC 215 to talk about now. Yeah, yeah my uh, podcast right after the show, guys. Yeah, for sure. I'm looking forward to that. Um, in terms of UFC 215, um, a, a bunch of different storylines here. Okay, uh, I'm obviously looking forward to it. Um, I, I, you and I will discuss it as well as, as the people in the MMA bubble about the pay-per-view buys because it is Demetrius Johnson headlining the show. Uh, and reality speaking, the best fighter or the perfect fighter in mixed martial arts that no one outside of our bubble has ever heard of. Uh, it's got a co-main event that is absolutely fantastic. We're crossing our fingers that it actually takes place. And there's some serious fights on here. There's a former champion uh, headlining or, or, or kicking off the main card. Um, you know, a former champion for another uh, for Strike Force. But I'm actually liking this card. I am too. It's it's a good card. It's a shame we lost JDS and Nganu. Yeah, huge. But you look up and down this card. You got Mighty Mouse Borg. Mighty Mouse can get reach history. Nunez, Shevchenko, there's a lot of question marks that we'll address. Magni, Dos Anjos, that is an interesting fight. Latifi, Pedro? Ah, uh, whatever, man. Tyson Pedro's I, in it, so I'll, I'll, I'll let it slide. Jeremy Stevens versus Melendez is going to be a clown show. <laughs> <laughs> Sarah McMahon, an aggressive Sarah McMahon, that's something I can't wait to talk about. You have former Mighty Mouse victims fighting yeah. each other on this show. Yeah. You have Sarah Morris returning. You have Mitch Clark and Alex White fighting for their jobs. Perhaps an under-the-radar interesting fight. I, you know, I can't really break down his technique that much, but Cajun Johnson, who has been going crazy on the UFC for a few years while he's been out and injured, they gave him a fight. So we'll see about that. And then the UFC's first like Indian fighter, uh, who and you, WWE's Jinder Mahal will be there to watch the fight. So, oh, is that right? Yeah. Originally, he said he was going to walk, uh, walk him out, but kind of backpedaled on that. I'm sure WWE knew they were going to get some flack because CM Punk once wanted to do that with Chael Sonnen, and Vince McMahon wouldn't allow it. But yeah, uh, WWE champion Jinder Mahal will be there. I, I really feel like that may be the entire reason. They left the title and Jinder Mahal too, so UFC will show him on Fight Pass on camera with his little title. Yeah. Oh, they'll take that clip and air it during the uh, during the broadcast. Or oh, they'll go, they'll go back to him if he stays in the crowd. They'll go back yes. to him for sure, yes, guaranteed. Let's uh, get into the show. I'm excited, yeah. man. Um, where do you want to start? Let's start from let's start from the top down. Why not? All right, so DJ taking on Ray Borg. Uh, in your opinion, uh, other than it being a given, wh- when does this fight end? Mm. Okay, may end before it even starts if Ray Borg doesn't make weight. He's had trouble making weight in the past, which is something that I thought was particularly interesting about Johnson passing up the Dillashaw fight for this. And that's a stigma that he's going to have to deal with for the rest of his career unless he takes unless he calls out Dillashaw after he gets this win, which is what he should do. He should do that. He should say, come fight me, not 
go get you a win, then fight me. Demetrius Johnson is the best fighter I've ever seen. John Jones is the most talented fighter I've ever seen. But Demetrius Johnson is the best fighter I've ever seen. His constant evolution, the way that he makes things, like he made that Cejudo fight look like it was an insult that they even booked it. That's crazy. It still drives me nuts. It's insane. The, the way that he submitted Kyoji Horiguchi with one second left in the fight, uh, the way that he flash knockout knocked out Joseph Benavidez, the way that he takes really, really good fighters and makes them look like they don't even belong in the UFC. The situation that we face with, with Demetrius Johnson is that he is the only champion to ever exist in that division. Had he not been around for the first two years, maybe he would have a pedigree like a John Jones where he'd beaten three or four champions in a row. But nobody else has had the opportunity to be champion. Yeah, and, and you look at how much of a favorite he is. He's a minus 1250 on some boards. I mean, the guy is something else. Um, it, it's, it'll go down in, in, in my mind um, – as a heartbreaking scenario when it's all said and done that this guy at 125 pounds, the greatest that we may have we may ever see, the perfect mixed martial arts in my opinion, will not get the, the, the money and the love that he definitely deserves when it's all said and done. He's, break, he's about to break a record here, okay? An outstanding record that may never be broken again. Yeah, and Ray Borg has said that he's been preparing for this fight for three years since Johnson's fourth title defense, so... Really about uh, right after his uh, Borg's fight with Shane Howell. But if you're preparing for this fight for three years and along the way you miss weight twice, it makes me question how much you've really been preparing for this fight. We know that Borg can go three rounds. We don't know what happens after that three-round mark. We definitely know what happens with Mighty Mouse Johnson after that three-round mark. And um, a really big indication for me, an important factor that, that a lot of people often overlook is can he finish after that three-round mark? And we know that Mighty Mouse can. We know that he can finish at any point after that three-round mark. Because a lot of people reach that and they're like, okay, championship rounds, I'll drag him into deep water and just edge this one out. We know that Mighty Mouse Johnson can do that, but we also know that he can submit you with one second left. We know that he can just uh, finish you in the middle of the fifth round. We know that he can take you there. Borg's rear naked choke is one of his best tools. Interested to see. I don't know that he ever gets Mighty Mouse's back, but that has been his go-to, even though he hasn't finished anybody with that in a few years. Ultimately, Mighty Mouse Johnson, I think, is just too damn good, man. Like, I just think he's too good. Like, there ain't no way Mighty Mouse Johnson loses to Justin Scoggins or Dustin Ortiz. And Ray Borg got beat by both of those guys. I, I don't think that he has much of a chance against Demetrius Johnson. Does he have a chance? Sure, everybody does. But Everybody's got a chance, but the reality is we're talking like minuscule numbers. You know, like minuscule, minuscule. Conor McGregor had a better chance of defeating Floyd Mayweather than Ray Borg has a chance of defeating Demetrius Johnson. I would agree with that. Right? I mean, Borg is going to have his work cut out for him, but... Demetrius Johnson is not a robot, ladies and gentlemen. He is a human being, and he can make a mistake. It just so happens that I doubt he's going to make a mistake, or any mistake that he does make, he can recover quickly enough to pound you back in the face with, with uh, a left-right combination followed by a knee and then a left high kick. I mean, the guy is just something else. And then take you down. 
Like the guy's just he, he can. It's almost like he has to make seven mistakes in a row for him to just get for her board to get his back. I would love to just see like little sparring exhibitions between him and bigger fighters just to see how he adjusts. Yeah, and things like that because he adapts better than anybody. Yeah, the guy's a walking 30-minute special. I mean, you brought this up way back when we first started uh, the Fightful podcast back, Fightful, Fightful MMA podcast back in the day. We, we could make a 30-minute show of Demetrius Johnson beating the crap out of guys way bigger than him and promote it. The UFC could promote it in a heartbeat and say, oh, you got, you, you know, everything, you know, it's the whole, um, you know, up here we call it the American adage. I, I know it as the Texas adage. Uh, bigger is better, blah, blah, Everything is big in Texas, blah, blah. Well, well Demetrius Johnson could beat up anybody big. He, he, needs, he needs to play that up, too. He needs to speak a little bit slower, too. Sometimes it's a little difficult to understand what he's saying because he spits words out before the last one's there, uh, before it, it's ready. He should be saying that. I don't care how big you are, I'll kick your ass. Yeah. Just just say it. Embrace it. They ain't going to book you against a 155-er. Who cares? Yeah, just say yeah, it. You know what? You got it. You're damn right. I think you're absolutely bang on. Forget Mighty Mouse. Be Scrappy-Doo. All right. Plus or minus. Three rounds. Two and a half rounds. Uh, I think it'll end in the third. Third? I'm liking that. Yeah, I, I agree. I think it'll end in the third. But, again, uh, every, th- every prediction that Sean and I make, ladies and gentlemen, uh, you understand that this is fighting, right? This is the punch-in-the-face business. Okay. They're usually right, though. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm pretty sure we're going to disagree in this next one here. Amanda Nunes, uh, the UFC bantamweight champion, taking on Valentina Shevchenko. Uh, what, what's going to happen here? So this is supposed to take place a couple months ago. Nunes had uh, sinusitis, and hey, I feel you. I've dealt with it. I watched uh, actually a Donald Cerrone interview with Joe Rogan that put that changed my life when he talked about it. He talked about the balance issues, he fell over in the bathroom because he had a sinus blockage from a deviated septum. Hey, I figured that out, and my head's been pretty clear since then, too. If Nunez is dealing with that same thing, I can sympathize. I used to have balance issues, used to have some vision issues in relation to that same thing, so that sucks. It's a bummer. Now, that being said... From an analytic, from a technical standpoint, Nunez likes to keep people at the end of her punches. But Shevchenko is used to fighting people with longer reaches. By all indications, she should probably be fighting at 125. But she's taking this opportunity. Uh, Shevchenko has a background in judo, taekwondo. Nunez has been has gotten more and more aggressive, which has helped her out, uh, especially in that that Shevchenko fight. Like she always has that early onslaught, but she kept getting more aggressive in that fight. One thing I didn't like about that, she incorrectly applied a rear naked choke. That was bothersome. I'm sure she's taken care of that since then. But as that fight went on, Joe, Shevchenko took over. And that's why I think this fight has question marks. It's a five-round fight. Initially, when this fight was booked, I was like, ah, man, that's a bummer. There's not a lot of other people there, but it's a bummer. But then I remembered it's five rounds. And I remembered how well Shevchenko works well in the clinch. And Nunez training for Rousey makes me think that Shevchenko may have trouble run, getting into the clinch because you know that Nunez prepared to stay out of the clinch at length with Ronda Rousey. One of the, also, one of the things that I think benefits Nunez, she hardly ever picks up her back foot even when she gets full extension on her punches. I can't speak highly enough to how important that is in a striking battle, especially when it comes to your power. Keeping that back foot planted, at least... Uh, 
the ball of your foot, being able to do that. Shevchenko's trained at elevation for this fight as well, so, oh man, there's so many different facets of this fight, and I'm I'm all about it, man. All about it. Oh, I'm all about this fight. I can't wait for this one to go down, uh, but I'll simply say this. One of the most memorable things, uh, and there's a lot of memorable things that I've seen in mixed martial arts, but after that Ronda Rousey fight when Shevchenko was just running around the octagon doing this, it's an image that I'll never forget. She silenced everybody. And I think in the third round, she'll be running around the octagon after a victory, after the knockout, doing this. Now, my my question is, like, say Amanda Nunes wins. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. I know, but say she wins. Who who's next? Pennington? Who who is there? You know what my initial reaction was about to be right there? What? <laughs> Ronda Rousey returning. Yeah, but but they can't do that. <laughs> and she Ronda Rousey's heading towards WWE. I mean she's she's in the middle of an angle right now. Yeah. Like what what do you got, Sarah McMahon, if she wins? Well, you it, you know that, that she got beat by Amanda Nunez. Two years ago, yeah. round one. So you know McMahon is pulling for Shevchenko in this fight. Pennington's She's riding for a four Shevchenko. fight. Yeah, Pennington's riding a four fight winning streak. Holm is probably fighting at one forty five. Pena just lost, right? I'm pretty sure she just got beat. Yeah, she got beat by Shevchenko. Can't do that. Rousey probably ain't coming back. Pat no. Zingano hasn't won since the Civil War. Jermaine Durand to me, you can't count on her actually fighting. Marion Renault is as old as Jesus. Liz Carmouche fights once a year. Like it's, I guess it's got to be Raquel Pennington, who hasn't fought since November of last year. I think the whole situation here is if Amanda Nunes does emerge victorious, got to pay attention to that, whatever Chris Cyborg does, and forget this Chris Cyborg won't fight a Brazilian angle. It's got to happen. You know, with the whole Holly Holm thing and whatever, it's got to happen. It's got to happen. If you want to make, if you want to market Nunes properly, uh, it's a huge fight. It's a big fight. And it's a massive fight for Brazil. Contrary to what Cyborg is saying, that she doesn't want to fight a Brazilian, it, that would be a huge fight in Brazil. You put that fight on in Brazil. 135 needs some help, man. Yeah, yeah. It needs some help. It's weird because we're having a lot of conversations about a lot of UFC divisions where we're saying it needs help. Because we talked about it a bit with the Tyron Woodley situation, you know, middleweight's kind of top heavy right now. Well, in Light my in my opinion, heavy. help can come to the welterweight division. Like GSP could eventually drop there, which if I think yeah. the next time GSP loses, he's retiring. You could see Habib or Nate Diaz fighting up there if they they so chose. At bantamweight, like Tate retired, Rousey's probably not coming back. Cyborg's never going to make that weight. They're like the cupboards are pretty well empty, pretty well empty. And even you got a girl, Caitlin Vieira, which we'll talk about later. Like, got her best days maybe at one forty-five because she's had tough weight cuts in the in the past too. But yeah, uh, so so you're going with Nunez for this one? Yes, I'm just going. I just think she's just a powerhouse right now. Take nothing away from Valentina Shevchenko, who is you know is just a joy to watch, especially when mm-hmm. she wins and does her little dance. I mean, I, I, I love that dance so much. I mean, I think there was a gif out there with her and, and Ben Rothwell on one side of the screen. It was fantastic. But 
she's got skills. Valentina's got power. She's got speed. She sets everything up very, very nicely. I just think Amanda Nunes is on a different a, a, a different course right now, and I think she's going to be motivated, hopefully not overly emotional, but I think she's going to be motivated to prove a point here. You know, I think I'm going to go with... Uh, I think I'm going to go with Shevchenko just... Maybe to be a little bit spiteful because she got better as that fight went on with home. Like, I mean, well, I don't want to say better as the fight went on. She really peaked in rounds two and three, but rounds four and five she took with ease. In yeah, my opinion, no. took took pretty well, and I, th- I think she can get it done. But you know, it wouldn't surprise me if Amanda Nunes won this fight. Well, for your argue, for the argument's sake here, Valentina becoming the new champion would be much better for the UFC than if Amanda Nunes was to uh, defend that championship. Uh, speaking of former champions, Rafael Dos Anjos taking on Neil Magny uh, at 170 pounds. Rafael is already informing Tyron Woodley that they're going to be fighting soon. Uh, you need to focus on Neil Magny, who I think he can beat, but I don't think it's going to be easy. Yeah, Magny's reach is going to be... Uh an interesting aspect of this fight because if it's on the feet, he needs to keep at range or else Dos Anjos was sleeping. These are a couple of welterweight dark horses. A couple of guys, uh, everybody knows who Dos Anjos is, obviously, because of his, his title run and he never got that red panty night. <laughs> but he's working his way up the welterweight ladder, doesn't have to cut that extra weight. I'm always excited to see how guys will perform when they don't have to cut that extra weight. And he did very well against Tarek Safadine. Now, Neil Magny is a different kind of animal than Tarek Safadine. I thought Safadine was a good fight for them to start him out on. A guy who had struggled lately and was was kind of working to keep himself not just relevant, but in the UFC. Neil Magny's a different one. He ain't working to keep himself in the UFC. He's not working to keep himself relevant. He's just looking to stack and add on and continue some of the heads on his platter like... like Johnny Hendricks and like like Hector Lombard like he's he's looking to add another one. Yeah, uh, is a minus one ninety favorite, minus two hundred uh, on some boards, so minus two hundred five on a couple of other ones. Uh, I see him as the favorite in this fight here. I don't know about a finish, uh, but I can see a TKO here uh, because Hafiel throws with power. And I think he can find a susceptible angle on Neil Magny um, if Neil's not using his head movement and be able to get past that reach. Uh, whether starting at the body, Sean, I don't know. Maybe start with the body until uh, the hands drop and then use that power over top. But I think Rafael wins this fight with a finish. With a finish, uh, I could, yeah, I could see that. But I, I think it'll go the distance, honestly. Do you think Tyson distance. Pedro and Ila Latifi go the distance? No, Tyson Pedro's knocking him out. Early, uh, maybe middle of the second round. Uh, you take a look at, um, you know, it's actually Latifi who's a minus 150 favorite, believe it or not. Yeah, bad line there. Jump on that, guys. Plus 110 right now for Pedro. By the way, guys, later this week I will have a video. Uh, we're going to switch things up this week. I'll be doing my video this week. will be more fun bets related, uh, if not all fun bets related. It'll be quick. Uh, I won't waste your time with a five-minute babbling fest. I'll be quick. I'll get right into it, uh, throw some numbers your way, and, and have you take a look. Uh, and we've already sort of given away a hint here. At Tyson Pedro, a plus 110 uh, is your first example. But I will guarantee you I will not say plus 110. By the way, it's dropping, Sean. Um, mm-hmm. I will not say to go straight up with Tyson Pedro. There's your hint right there. Tune into the video later this week, likely on Friday, uh, for why for my fun bet 
on Tyson Pedro. Uh, Sean gave it away, damn it. Sarah McMahon, minus 275 to a plus 215. Caitlin Vieira, uh, Sarah McMahon, I think, will not only get this fight down to the ground, which is what she does, uh, but I'm very impressed lately with her submission attempts and her submission game. Yeah, that head and arm choke is a bread and butter for her now, and I love that. I love that, especially coming from a wrestler. She's experienced a career resurgence. She's gotten a lot more regressive or aggressive. At 36, I think she knows this is the time to make a run. And like I said, you know she'll be pulling for Valentina. Uh, Vieira can go the distance, has some ground skills. But one thing I think is particularly interesting is uh, Vieira's entire MMA career has happened since McMahon's loss to Rousey. Yeah. So that's that's some new blood. This fight was set for UFC 214, got moved here. So that's, that's a big chunk of that women's bantamweight division that has been delayed over the past couple of months, including the Nunez Shevchenko fight. Like I mentioned, Vieira has had some weight-cutting problems in the past. Not really missed weight, but had trouble making weight. She wins this fight. Maybe one more. That's a girl you could throw at Cyborg and say, here's you an opponent. Here you go. That's what I've been saying. I've been saying that for a long time. I think it would be a fantastic situation. Uh, I did not mean to skip over the opening bout of the broadcast with, with Gilbert with Gilbert Melendez and Jeremy Stevens. Two most uh, overrated fighters in the UFC rankings, probably. But it is a pick'em fight. Yeah, it sure is. As um, I would pick anyone else to watch fight over these two guys. I'm sure it'll be a good fight. It's just, I don't know. I wouldn't pick anybody else to watch over these two guys fight. I'm sure it'll be a good fight. It's just... Jeremy Stevens is not a top 15 featherweight, much less a number 8 featherweight. Gilbert Melendez is not a top 14 lightweight <clears throat> or a top 20 lightweight. He's probably not a top 25 lightweight at this point. Post USADA, what have we seen out of Melendez? Nothing. Fair enough. Fair Over the last enough. five years, what have we seen out of Melendez? Yeah, most people don't realize that, though. Because of his name... They think that it's Gilbert Melendez. You're, expe- you're expecting, quote-unquote, a scrappy fight. No pun intended, obviously, with the group that he's with, the scrap pack. But um, you expect so much more. It's, it's, you live – sometimes as guys like Gilbert Melendez, you, you, you live off this vintage opinion that you have of fighters like that. So, but Jeremy Stevens, though, the problem with Jeremy Stevens, I mean, after that fight with Frankie Edgar, he takes on Hanato Moicano. You expect him to go, just go through Moicano, and he loses a split decision. I mean, you had five rounds with Frankie Edgar, of which some people thought, you know, that, that Frankie could have lost that fight. Jeremy did pretty damn good in that fight, and then he goes and he loses to Hanato Moicano by split decision, and you get guys like Sean Ross Sapp that you scratch your head thinking, man, I don't want to watch these two guys fight. I can understand why. Yeah, this is, a, this is a good fight to book, I think. I mean, all jokes aside, a couple of guys who haven't had any luck, one of them's got to win, right? One of them's got to win, and it will extend at least one of their relevance. Yeah. Um, the snail pace to get back to Demetrius Johnson between Henry Cejudo and Wilson Heist takes place on Saturday. Um, I don't see any of these guys getting a tough shot anytime soon. Henry Cejudo, maybe. Maybe. But, I mean, I, I look at this fight here. I think it's going to be a fun fight, to be honest with you, because these are two guys that don't go away. Um, you know, it, it's first I'm concerned about Henry Cejudo just making the weight because that guy's always been a concern at 125. You think he's going to, he doesn't, he doesn't make it, he does. It's just one of those things. Well, we'll see what this weight cut, uh, what, what happens here. Uh, Hayes will always find a way, uh, to be in your face. It, it, and if, it, if this fight goes down to the ground, he's not going to be, he's not going to care. Sure. Let's go to the ground. I'm impressed with Cejudo striking. 
But can he out-punch and out-box Wilson Hayes, who is kind of lazy with that left hand, but yes, he you is. tell me. Otherwise, Wilson Hayes has a pretty decently well-rounded game, but Cejudo's improved boxing is what I'm looking for out of this. It, a lot of flyweight fights come down to who has the faster jab, who has the quicker jab. But And I'm sure that's Cejudo. I really, I'm sure it's Cejudo. But I can imagine Cejudo landing a takedown and working from there. Uh, you know, it's funny. Before we talked about this, I was like, wow, I'm, how close is Cejudo to a title shot? And I realized he hasn't won since Mighty Mouse. But I thought he should have won uh, his last fight. I thought his performance against Benavidez was pretty good. It's going to be a while, but if he comes out and has really, really good-looking boxing like he did against Benavidez, I will be far more open to it than I was after Mighty Mouse embarrassed him. Yep. Yep. Totally awesome. And by the way... UFC loves to match up Mighty Mouse victims. Right? Yeah. He's a minus 340 favorite, Cejudo is. So uh, that's a big spread in that line, in my opinion. Yeah. Plus 280 for Wilson Heiss. I think it's a, I think it's a fair well not fair line I would I would move it closer to two hundred maybe yes but yeah I got I got Cejudo winning that fight uh yeah uh, Sarah Morass not Morass Morass she told me flat out to my face live on camera it's probably on uh, the old website Sarah Morass taking on Ashley Evans Smith women's bantamweight bout uh in, in this fight here Sean uh, I envision to be honest with you even though uh, Evan Smith is a minus 240 favorite I think rightfully slow so I think she wins this fight I don't see this being a very fast paced fight I think it's going to be slow methodical and likely go the distance what say you yeah I'm just glad to see Sarah back in the cage um, it's been a, a long long time it's been over two years yeah and Ashley Evan Smith she a very inconsistent type of fighter she she's run into some real real bullies in Raquel Bennington and Vieira but you know sometimes she surprises like when she beat Marion Renault she shows she yeah. belongs in that division and that's you know that was a fur girl who had four fights four fights man when you when you've had three fights and you're fighting Raquel Pennington that's oh man and she's she's 30 years old so this is she's another one of these indicators of like how long will women's MMA fighters be able to go and and how like at what point does the decline start? We still don't really know because we see people like Renault going and doing it, and there are exceptions to every rule. But you know there there are some people when they hit like at thirty mark, at thirty one mark, they start to go downhill. But I don't know. It's hard for me to, when somebody's had a layoff this long, like Morass has. It's hard for me to say because I don't know what, what type of skills they've worked on, what they've sharpened, what they've lost. So it's, just, it's too tough for me. Yeah. Uh, and moving on to the opening broad, if I'm not mistaken, it's the opening bout uh, of the Fox broadcast. Uh, a kid, a young man, a youngster, a youth that deserves a lot more love here in Canada, Gavin Tucker, who no Canadian outside of his own family has likely ever heard of, or even within the MMA bu- bubble, is a minus two twenty five favorite over Rick Glenn, a yep. plus a plus one seventy five. This fight here, and I, I'm trying to remove my Canadian bias, but this one he's is winning. going to be awesome. He's going he's, to win, in my he's, opinion. He's winning. He he might get a finish here. He ain't a kid. Yeah. He's thirty one. Get but, out well, of here. Sorry. Get out of here. Look he's who you're talking to. Fi- he's winning this fight. I think he deserves a lot more love than what he has right now because no one's heard of him here. If I walk down the street and I say, you guys ready to watch Gavin Tucker? 
I couldn't finish a sentence with them saying Gavin like is that a a, a country star singer concert happening? No, Gavin to be, Tucker. To be fair, if you walked through Jeremy Stevens' own house and said, "You ready to watch Jeremy Stevens fight?" Somebody in his own house would say, "Who the fuck is that guy?" So, don't so feel bad, Gavin Tucker. Listen, I want I want the best for Gavin. Uh, same for Rick, but don't get me wrong. Gavin Tucker, in my opinion, will win this fight. I think we're going to see a finish here. Won't be surprised if Glenn can pull something off here. Uh, you mentioned uh, on the UFC Fight Pass prelims, Mitch Clark taking on Alex White. Two scholars, MMA scholars, fighting for their jobs. Fighting for their jobs. I think that's one of uh, a, a few good stories on the Fight Pass prelims, which I'll run through really quick. Uh, Bular... The first Indian UFC fighter. Cajun Johnson, as I mentioned before, very outspoken about the UFC getting a fight there. So you basically have a pink slip fight, uh, an interesting fight as it pertains to demographics. Because over in WWE, we've seen a woman who never had a wrestling match before the Mae Young Classic explode with uh, YouTube numbers because of that Indian market. And then you got Cajun Johnson, who's got... He's got that yapper, and he, he ain't afraid, and I appreciate that. Uh, sometimes I think his anger is a little misguided, like he was super mad about CM Punk, saying that CM Punk was taking opportunities from him. Hey, bro, there are 17 fights on UFC shows. Ain't nobody taking away opportunities for you. Just tell them you'll fight. But yeah, that's it. Uh, UFC 215, we've got a post-show right after. Live coverage. That night, uh, I want you all to come and talk with me uh, about UFC 215 on Fightful.com on the forums and our live discussion. Go read our news stories, guys. Click on those. Comment on those. Discuss things with me. That's all we want in this world. Fightfulpods.com and Fightful.com. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Make sure, uh, you know, I, I'm always asking for people to give me their thoughts on their fun bets. Uh, just to see if I miss something or what they see. Uh, so, yeah, I'll, I'll, we'll, we'll do that again uh, this Friday with the video. Uh, lots of stuff to discuss. Um, I'm going to have it up tomorrow uh, or submit something to Sean to review. Uh, I'm not sure if we'll get up tomorrow because Sean is determining where should we put this showdown Joe idiot today. So it all it all, it all depends. Uh, and I'm sure I, I always have something to say. But by the time I get to writing that article, Sean, either a, a message from you or Jimmy Van, or someone stupid does something in MMA, which changes yeah. my angle. So I don't know what I'm going to write about until tomorrow morning when this thing here is filled up, uh, and I'll determine exactly what I'm going to write about. But yeah, I'll have uh, one or two articles this week. Uh, of course, the video, and then please join us after UFC 215 uh, to discuss a variety of things post, uh, post the event. I'm looking forward to that, because uh, I like this card. I think it's going to be fantastic. I would agree. Fightful.com, you guys where I am. <laughs> That's where I live. I do. I do pretty much live there. Like I can't. Next week we're going to Orlando, weather permitting for our year late honeymoon. Hopefully the hurricane doesn't derail that, and hopefully the hurricane doesn't derail a lot of things for people. But uh, as I told Jimmy, I am thrilled to not travel after that until a, a hopeful next trip to Toronto because this year and I I. I don't travel a lot but this year. I've, it's been Cincinnati and Lexington and Indianapolis and San Antonio and uh, Tennessee and West Virginia and Toronto and Orlando, all over the place. Toronto's the only place I want to go. Thank you. We love you. Yes. Guys, until next time, we're out. This is the story of the one. 
As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.